Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast, a podcast all about inspiring and encouraging dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, parenting, and faith on the fly. On this episode of the Dads on the Fly, we discuss Caleb's first son, Reed, and his experience in the first year of his life, really. Caleb, correct? Yeah, that's right, man. We get, I love this. This is fun. I got to tell my son's story and some of the things that we struggled and went through and some of the things we learned along the way. And maybe it'll be beneficial to somebody who's maybe going through something similar. But always, we tie a little bit of fishing into it as well. So <laughs> we did our and, best. And the first part of our story or this episode is all about fishing and some recent trips. So make sure to stick around to the end. We do want to let everyone know there is this is a little heavier than some of our episodes. We did talk about some real life experience to Caleb and Caleb really opened up in this episode and I asked a lot of questions. And so if there's ever anything that we can do to support or help any of you that are listening to this episode, we, we really are feel passionate about doing that. Yeah. So make sure to send us a DM, find us on Instagram, shoot us a message, go to our website, dads on the shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. And if this episode helps you or can help a friend in any way, please share it with someone that you know. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 56 of Dads on the Fly, and tonight we have just Caleb and myself. I'm Joshua, and my, as always, I'm with my brother Caleb. How are you doing tonight, Caleb? I'm well, man. Uh, it's been a good week, and getting ready to roll into another one. So, yeah, uh, things are going pretty good. Just, you know, work, life, ministry, family. Yeah, that's kind of what's been going on. We got uh, did a birthday party for my son today. Uh, we took one, two, I can't even remember how many we counted uh, to Dollywood for the entire day. Um, Hopefully, you came home with the same. We came home with the same amount well, we went. We did take matters. we did take plenty of adults to uh, to help with all that, but uh, the weather was perfect and beautiful, and everybody got to enjoy their day. And so, Foster will turn uh, eleven this week during the week that um, this episode drops. So that's kind of cool, and we're having a big time for him. Uh, got to do a, a little bit of fishing on Friday. Uh, you caught another smallmouth? Yeah, man. Another smallie on the fly. Pretty that was good. fun. Pretty good yeah, smallmouth. Nice, definitely my PB, personal best smallmouth. Yeah, we're so, going to yeah. get it better than that. But we, uh, we're we still still trying to figure out the smallmouth. We'll definitely say we're trying to. Yeah, we definitely don't have it figured out yet. So we caught one that trip, and that was pretty much it. We don't have it dialed in. We did miss some fish. I uh, had some chases and stuff like that. The Sam's one bug. Yeah, we. Our, if you haven't checked out our most recent episodes, uh, we, had, uh, we were very fortunate to have Jason Shimchuk, did I say that right? Shimchuk from uh, Wait Out There podcast and waitoutthere.com. Uh, if you'll go check that one out a couple episodes back, if you didn't get to listen to that, we encourage you to go listen to that. And then last week we were blessed to have Mr. Wade Blevins, the uh, the guy behind the Sam's One Bug. And we're going to have to use those Sam's One Bugs more when we're out on the river and in that still water, man. Those things are those things are pretty wicked, and we missed some fish. I think I, I was actually texting Wade. I think we were... Maybe setting too quick, not giving enough time to gulp it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we're we're still learning it, so that that, that sounds like a good excuse. My favorite part of that trip was when I was casting the Sam's One bug, and I was like, "That doesn't look natural at all." And <laughs> you're like, "There's no way a fish is going to rise on this." And it, as those words come out, and I missed, <laughs> I missed the fish because I was not confident in the way I was uh, drifting the fly. Um, but yeah, man, I got a chance a couple. I think it was a couple weeks ago now to go. Um, and got on some nice wild brown fish. I was I was by myself, nice brown trout, and uh, one really nice one that really I never didn't think deserved to be where it was. And 
and some other nice wild brown trout. And man, let's just say that with the cooler nights, the the weather around Western North Carolina is getting just prime for some really colorful, good trout fishing. Yeah, it's definitely probably one of my favorite times of year to fish is kind of October, November, even in December. Uh, you know, leaves and all are changing, and that's really pretty just to be outside. But the fish are pretty as well. And I don't know. I, I don't know if the fish, there's probably science behind this, but the fish just seem to wake up this time of year. They're, you know, weather's cooling off. Trout love that. And uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite times to fish. It's just so nice to um, be able to see that sun setting and everything just being smooth that time of night right before it kind of comes down behind the mountains but you still got some light and it's a uh, it's comfortable you can wear a, i love being able to wear just a long sleeve t-shirt or uh, i love when it gets into like hoodie season and i could just go out in the evenings and, and wear hoodies and be on the porch and we've had a couple of those i know it's supposed to get hot again this week but it does turn the trout fishing on for us and we love that time of year and i've had some people ask via social media a couple dms a couple facebook messages uh you know when to come and i just tell everybody hey if, you, if you're really just getting into it first time and you want to come to the mountains october you can't you can't beat october yeah go fish some dh water in october and it's uh it's a blast october and, november and don't give up on the park in october either i mean yeah. it's, it's beautiful and just looking forward to this time of year you know last october we didn't have the raft correct yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this is so, this is the first year. We, I mean, our first raft trip was in December of last year. Yeah, so this so, is the first. This will be our first fall with the raft. With the raft, yeah, that's yeah, pretty we're pretty awesome. pumped. I'm a. Uh, I've got to get. In fact, our goal before now and is for you to take me on a certain stretch of river and you get to fish the whole time and me just row. That, that sounds lovely. Just so that I can be never happens. So that's no, that's great. what's going to happen. So that way I can be comfortable <laughs> taking uh, some other folks when you when we can't get our schedules matched up because I'm. I'm wanting to hit that water hard and heavy. I did. I did some pretty good rowing on Friday. I, I rowed a lot. Yeah, you did. We about did. split it. I think it's about fifty yeah, fifty. Yeah, it's probably. Um, so and then then our most recent trip, we took. Uh, I don't think we talked about that trip either, and so that would have been another small you got on the board. But um, anyway, that we we rowed a lot that time too. We kind of split up. So I'm getting better. We're definitely getting more equaled out. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 getting confident. You'll be good to go. I think. Yeah. It's gonna be a fall. it's gonna be a sweet fall. We're excited. Uh, before we dive into tonight's episode, Caleb, I think at this point, because I know we're gonna get into the episode and it's probably gonna just take up the whole. We're gonna have a break tonight, but uh, I just want to go ahead and give an update from behind the fly tying vice. Let's do it. So let's go ahead and start this episode off right with a little adventures behind the vice with Joshua. And this segment of our podcast is always sponsored by Anadromous Fly Co. Uh, make sure to check them out. They are your sharpest decision in fly tying tools and scissors. Check them out at aflyco.com for any of your fly tying tool needs. Make sure to use Dad's 20 at checkout. Our man Herb has got our discount code up and running, and you can get 20% off of your order from aflyco.com. So what's been happening behind the vice? Well, what's been happening is I had two different opportunities where I was somewhere and I had a, a little bit of time to kill in two separate fly shops. And, and I go into fly shops now. And my whole approach to fly shop shopping has changed. Okay? Let's just go down this rabbit for a minute. Because we got a deeper episode here when we get there. So we'll just kind of fill the beginning here. It used to be when I went into a fly shop, I would check out shirts, hats, 
maybe leaders tip it just to see you go look at rods even though you know you're not gonna buy one you gotta go look at them yeah like, i would you look at them but i say jay i know i'm not gonna buy those rods buy on my budget but so there but now when i walk into a fly shop I go straight to the tie material section. Yeah, man. Go to the material section. So my entire entrance into a shop has changed. You, you go straight to the back because that's where most of the materials yes, are. Yes, I go straight and look for materials. That's where all the nerds go. Yes. <laughs> so I go straight back in there. That's hilarious. And then I come into this realization of a not experienced or spend enough time behind the vice because I have to Google what materials I need to tie flies. Yeah. I mean, there's no problem with that, but I know I don't want to buy like some places like Orvis has like the, the kit, you know, tie this fly yeah. and it comes in there like that. But I want like fly shops to have like a Rolodex. <laughs> okay. You with me? Yeah. I'm, I'm like an old library card. Yeah. Bear with me here. No, go okay. ahead. I just had a great idea. But so like, I'll share well, I want to hear the idea, but you know, a through Z, right? So, Clouser Minnow. Go to C, Clouser Minnow. You need this size hook, this material. To, that would be a huge selling point to new fly <laughs> tires. I'm just saying. And maybe they people have it, but... Yeah, maybe so. You know, the person in the shop was helping another customer. They were, didn't have time to, like, harass that person over and over about what I need to tie this fly, but it would be really cool if I could just... Because I end up just calling, like, Howie or you, and I'm in the shop, whoever I can't get. And what do I need to tie this fly? And hooks are still so overwhelming to me um there's so many different kinds and yeah shank link right and yep. all these different links and hooks and which ones are better for this i'll send you an article you can ignore i won't ignore it <laughs> i'm uh i'm getting better at reading some i'm trying to watch more youtube videos but i feel yeah. like the youtube videos i watch i so that's my update behind the vice um, cool just I shopping. Think, no, it was your cool idea. Don't let it, don't dude, lose it. Let's this is record a great it. Idea. Okay, we I'm should, ready. We should do this, you know, in all the spare amount of time that we have mm-hmm. is create some type of online index that, cause here's, here's the thing. No, hang on. Hear me out. The thing is a lot of times you buy material and you get way more material than you need to say, tie, you know, a dozen flies. I mean, you get a thing, a saddle hackle, you got enough for thousands of flies almost. It seems like. So what we really need is to create some type of index that you can look up and say, this is the material I have. What fly can I tie? <laughs> Does that, make that would sense? be good too. Like, you know, like these are the materials I have. Oh, you only need, you only need peacock curl yep. to be able to tie print snip. Cause you've got all the other stuff. So the, just go by peacock. The dad's on the fly learn. Rolodex. I'm sure it already exists that, somewhere, but somewhere. if you, if you are listening and you know where that exists, send it to us because would be that would be it. so cool. Um, but how cool, I mean, I would love that because I, I find myself with like excess material sometimes yeah. and then being like, Oh, what can I tie with this? And, and sometimes that's cool because I can get creative, but you know, sometimes it's just, you need one thing or one type of hook or, I'm with you. And then you can tie all kind of I, uh, types of flies. I'm going to continue to work at it. I'm telling you, these snow days this, this winter are going to be epic. But I'm going to start tying some DH flies before long. Yeah, man. It's it's almost here. And I'm going to tie, I don't know. I, th- I thought I was going to tie my, I still may, I haven't had a chance. I've got this one fly I looked up that I want to tie for smallmouth if we go again for DH the, water. Normal nips. Oh, yeah. I can do all those. I, I'm pretty good at those. Nothing, so. nothing crazy. Don't worry about right. it. So that was our update from behind the fly time vice is always brought to you by Nadrabus Flyco company and uh, aflyco.com for all your scissors. Uh, Dad's 20 
for discount code there. Thanks, Herb, for all you do. And uh, can't wait to, you know, keep keep time more and hopefully better flies. Yeah, man. You're getting there. That's awesome. All right. So tonight we uh, decided we would we, – we mentioned this the last time you and I were together. Briefly, very briefly. Um, we did the mistakes episode. And if you listen, we had a lot of good feedback from the mistakes episode. A couple of cool questions and, hey, these are mistakes I made. And, you know, as always, we're very open and honest here on Dads on the Fly. And so with this episode, we decided that we would focus a little bit more on a situation very, very dad-driven, and it, and it deals with Caleb. And so I'm going to be asking uh, more of the questions. I'm going to let Caleb do more of the answers, which we don't do very often. <laughs> so interesting. It's kind of a kind of a switch. Yeah, right kind now. of switching roles here a little bit. But um, Caleb's firstborn son, Reed, was born when? Birthday? 2016. 2016. You go, go ahead. March 20th. March 20th. Okay, 2016. And, uh, but it was really even before, I think we need to go into this a little bit. So when, uh, when, when Caleb was expecting their first child, Caleb and Sal were expecting their first child, Reed, uh, just kind of what, what was the first thing that, that occurred that kind of put you in a different kind of mind frame that you knew this may not be the most, I don't know how to say this, but kind of made you a little weary. Is that yeah. the right word? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So Sally and I, uh, we were, we were ready to start a family. We got, we were very fortunate. You know, we got pregnant really quick. She got pregnant really quick. Um, and we were pumped. We were super excited. And then we go to that, I think it's the 20 week ultrasound where you find out. The, the anatomy. The, that's all the, yeah, anatomy the anatomy scans, right? Yeah, you get all the anatomy scans. So when the little girl sits there and does all the pictures, and yeah, she tries to keep a straight face because you don't want to tell, tell the you doctor, the girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's another interesting story about the whole situation. So anyway, uh, we we go to that appointment. I, I get the I'm blessed to be able to go with Sally to find out if we're having a boy or a girl. Um, she notices it real quick and finds out we're having this little boy. We're super ecstatic, but as the as the gal's doing our ultrasound, she she spends a lot of time on a certain area, and she she kind of gets hesitant talking to us about us, and I, I didn't think anything of it, you know, had no idea whatsoever. But Sally and all of her mom wisdom, and um, they just have a sense about these things, I guess. She she knows something's wrong, and so we go to uh, talk to the doctor. They send us to the doctor room, and the doctor comes in, and she says, "Hey guys, look, we don't really know. We don't know what's going on." But there's some type of malformation with with your son's brain. And so we're like, okay, what does that mean? She said, well, it could be a lot of things. It could be, and you know, and you, you immediately, you're so excited. You find, I mean, I 20 minutes before this, found out I was having a son. Super stoked, so excited. But then, you know, you go from the mountaintop to the valley just so fast because she's telling us all this and we're asking so many questions and, not getting any answers and that just starts the journey of uh where we go for the next you know how many ever more weeks she's pregnant i guess 20 more yeah and 20 more is that right yeah yeah it should be right. yeah. uh, let's pause so, there yeah. for a second though you said something i wanted to to get you to speak on before we go into a little more detail just that mountain of it roller coaster of emotions yeah um i think this is for dads anglers moms anybody who's listening to the episode those are always, I think as parents, 
we we constantly, in some ways, things take us through a roller coaster of emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Whether it's this circumstance, um, as your kids get older, you know, when you see them at the top, and then all of a sudden something happens, and maybe they yeah. get to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, h- how we kind of keep ourselves together, I think, is is always a struggle when you're going through. And a challenge, I guess, when you're going through a world cultural motions, because obviously you were on such a high. And then you're really, if I remember it correctly, there's not a certainty, right? Like they just say, yeah, the Here, next, here's the. Like, that was the that was the crazy thing for the next 20 weeks of her pregnancy is. So they start sending a specialist. We start getting ultrasounds every every week or every other week. And, and even more frequently as it gets to the time where he's about to be born and. In that time, we went to uh, some special a, a group of specialists. We saw six different doctors in that time, and every single one of them told us something different. Nobody told us the same thing. We had anywhere from, oh, hey, this is a fudge on the scan. I don't even think this needs to be anything you're worried about, to another doctor who looked at us and said, you're going to be lucky if your kid's ever going to walk. You're going to be lucky if he's ever going to talk. You're going to be lucky if he's ever able to do anything. He might even be a vegetable. And and we heard from doctors that was the spectrum. You know. So you talk about spectrum. a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> yeah, like, now I can just imagine myself well, yeah. here. That's got to be frustrating. Oh, it's extremely frustrating. And I, and I and I probably voiced that to some of the doctors um, as kindly as I could. But yeah, because we would go one week thinking, oh, hey, we don't have anything to worry about. And the next week to, holy cow, we have everything to worry about. And there was just an, un, as the only way out to put it, an uncertainty for several months of just, okay, what do we do? What do we do next? Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was, that was definitely a really rough, rough time. And as a family of faith, I think. Obviously, that could be a challenge and a difficulty. It's just this trying time of uncertainty. And I know we don't do well around here in our house sometimes with uncertainty. That's one of the biggest challenges when you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and the fear that can set in and also the unknown. And you know, what what did, 20 weeks is a long time with all that. It's not <laughs> 20 weeks yeah. is a time. It's not it's not just like, hey, this is well, going like, to happen tomorrow. And in the midst of it, you know, we're getting ready for a baby. I mean, we're prepping a nursery. We're doing all the things you do as you're kind of trying to yeah, get and ready. Think so, about how exciting so of a time that Think about how be. uncertainty it is already just when you have your first kid. Like, you don't really know what to expect. And then this on top of it as well. It was it was a lot. It was it was pretty, pretty intense there for a while. And, yeah, I don't do well with uncertainty either. But, you know, I think that's one of the things I learned in this experience, especially leading up to the time that Ree was born, is – I fool myself in thinking I have a lot of control over my life a lot of times. I, I've had to learn over time how little control I actually have over so many things. And and that's played out into so much of life. So many things. I mean, we could, we could apply to fishing. Well, we I don't I mean, everything. I don't want to make light of a situation because no, this is a very serious yeah, situation, okay. but yeah. we are dads on the fly. Yeah. And I, I hope that you know, I'm going to send this to a lot of people because I think this episode's so important. But we may edit this out. I don't know. But sometimes we we approach life that way. And in, in our case, as a fly fishing podcast, we want to be certain we're fishing this water. And, and yet, there's all these uncertainties out there. And you were dealing with a much more real 
uncertainty. Yeah, we're just dealing with fish. Every, but it applies to fishing, obviously. But it applies to everything. I mean, we we think we have. You don't know what's going to happen on your ride to work tomorrow. I mean, there's so much you think you have understanding of control, and that's all just a, a figment of our imagination in some ways of thinking we we're in control of this thing. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that you know God really taught me, and that I learned in that season of just how little I, how little control I actually have over the outcome, and and really too to to manage my expectations of that. You know, we had these expectations going in of, or at least I know I did, of this is what our family was going to look like. This is how this was going to go. This was going to be our birth experience, and we were so excited and all these expectations of what things should have been and those just got kind of just obliterated. blown away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think that's what we do. And um I'm sure we have dads and hopefully some moms listen to this episode that have had all kinds of different birth stories because everybody's story is different when you're when you're into that whole having kids yeah <laughs> the stage sure. of your life. And um and we want to if you're maybe you're going through one of those stories right now, we want to be there to support you the best way we can as dads on the fly and, and help you in, in any way we can and pray for you. But I know there was a lot of prayer going out for you guys, and I know that it's still, I'm sure there were a lot of nights that, that were tough with just you and Sally. You had, you had no, you didn't have another kid that you were focusing on, right? So you were just, were just getting ready for this one, the first one. Yeah, just trying to figure this one out. And the uncertainty of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And. So Reed is born, like you said, mm-hmm. 2016, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, March 30th. Yeah, excuse me, 20th. 20th. James is the James 30th. the 30th. Oh man, uh, March 20th, don't you love 2016. That? Yeah, so, he was. So Reed is he born. In, he was in. Fun story about his birth. He was induced in the middle of March Madness. Yeah, right. The, in the first weekend Boom. of March Madness. So it was kind of fun though because we were induced on a Saturday. So the whole time while she's this is horrible. My wife's a superhero. The whole time. She was wow. in labor. You were watching. Basketball. She's in labor. We're watching basketball, which was kind of fun though, because our nurse was a big basketball fan. So Sally got extra attention because we had all the games. You weren't tying. You weren't tying flies at this point. No, right? I wasn't. Okay. I should have taken my vice. Yeah, I know, right? We neither one of us were tying flies yep. during that point. But anyway, so um, Reed Reed's delivered, and you know I remember I went that night and and held him. Yeah, yeah. and he, he was a toddler. Yeah, he was. He's a big boy. <laughs> he was a big boy <laughs> when he was born for sure. Big but. Kid. You know, Ten pounder. all of the uncertainties mm-hmm. of talk, walk, Yeah, are we going to have full capabilities and yeah. are our system's going to work? Still, and you know how they do all those unknown. checks? Still unknown. Nobody I mean, knows, I right? Remember, I can remember when he was born, they had a crash team in the labor and delivery room, like a special just in case. crash team, just in case, because I didn't know. Um, fortunately, you know, he comes out, he's breathing on his own, he's he's doing well. Um, we, they weren't expecting him not to be able to breathe. For and, sure. All that on his own, but they're there just as a, anytime you have a kind of, she was considered like a high risk or whatever. Pregnancy. Yeah. Um, they come in the room. So they were there, you know, and it was, but he, he comes out and he's great. Was good. And that first night in the hospital was, was awesome. Um, yeah. They did schedule an MRI for him that first night. Okay. So uh, after he's born, you know, we, I remember they get us up from labor and delivery into the mother baby unit up there and. He gets his first little bath, and you know we learn how to change his diaper and stuff and all for the first time and all that fun stuff. Is this our first do. birth story on Dad's on the Fly? I don't know, maybe. I, I think it I is. Can't remember, um, we have fun. Think about all James the different things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we might have to get into that one later. Um, so anyway, he's he's born, and uh, all things are good, and um, they send him down for an MRI that night. So 
now see that would be the I'm just gonna pause right there. You couldn't go with him, right? So we walked him down to the MRI unit. We could not go into the MRI. Yeah, see, that would have been difficult for me because yeah. I would, when I had, my, I didn't want to take, I didn't want to let him out of my sight. Yeah, dude. when I had Foster, I always yeah. had these fears of getting the wrong baby. Yeah, and I wanted to take a sharpie, mm-hmm. like yeah, like Andy yep. on Toy Story. You they know, have, they have that pretty good. <laughs> I know now. they have it good, but, but yeah. I was just still paranoid because um, I remember going everywhere they, with they Foster. Like, lab, they label you now and they barcode scan <laughs> yeah, you and your kid every it's time, big time to make sure you match. So yeah, so we um gets the MRI, gets the MRI. We're away from him for like forty five minutes. That's the first time Sally, you know, is. I mean, she had just birthed a child, and there he goes to an MRI. Yeah, gotcha. Um, you know, it was several hours later, but uh, so yeah, um, we get the MRI. We go back to bed that night. We, you know, you sleep as your first night as a parent in the hospital, and you don't, so really, you don't sleep. really sleep a whole lot, but you you're there, and uh, we. The next morning, you know, going through all the normal baby stuff, he passes like hearing screenings and things and all those little things I got to do for you. And then the doctor comes in to read the MRI to us and he just looks at us and he says, okay, guys, um, we're seeing this. There's something really off here. And so we're going to send you to the NICU right now. So that was scary. Another kind of yeah, you know, I, roller coaster. I forgot about this part. So because the first night you were just in normal <laughs> and then you we went, went NICU year, after that. And then they sent us to the NICU. So we go up to the NICU, they get us in the NICU, uh, in the NICU, uh, if you've never been to NICU, you know, you're, you're surrounded by a lot of other babies that are, that are having issues. And, um, it's a very, I mean, it's, you know, it's baby intensive care, just like it, like it stands for. And I'll never forget that doctor love him so much because he was just, uh, he was so, he was, he just had a great, he was perfect for what we needed in that time. Cause we were not, you know, wanting people to be overly optimistic we wanted the straight truth but we 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 were okay with doctors that like to kind of have good bedside manner and joke around with you and stuff like that so he was joking around with us and everything but he i'll never forget he looked at us straight ahead and he said guys look i'm just gonna be honest with you we're gonna do the best we can for you but i've been doing this for i think it was like 20 30 years i've never seen anything like this before I'll never forget. He told so, me it's how that. So we're never like, seen anything like this. Okay. And at this point, we still don't have a actual diagnosis. No, we have correct? no diagnosis. We just have a. We just, we've we never seen a, anything like this. We just this. have a. Hey, we've seen your son's MRI. We've looked at his brain. There's something on the back of his brain that is abnormal. We've never seen anything like it. And so we we're like, okay. So what does that mean? Like, do we need to? Are we helicoptering to some specialist somewhere? Like right now, what are we doing? He said, I'm calling some doctors in Charlotte right now. I'm going to send them your stuff. They're going to look at it. We're going to get back to you ASAP. So we're just in this limbo of like, okay. And, and at the you know, same time, we got a brand new baby. So just craziness. Um, come find out. He talks to the doctor. Doctor views the scans and says, okay, this is not as emergent as we may have thought. But there's a lot of things we need to monitor and keep an eye on. They give us an appointment for like three or four days later with this specialist and... In, in a different us, town, right? Yeah, in, in Charlotte. Yeah, we leave Asheville to go to Charlotte. But in the meantime, they keep us in like a little step-down unit in the NICU for two more nights before we go home. Yeah, but you're only home like one day before you go to Charlotte? Yeah, we go we go home <laughs> one day, and then we go to Charlotte the next day, but just for an appointment. You know, it's not a yeah, it's I understand, but still, thing. It's just an appointment. You know, we meet, you know, most newborns, for example, in my case, blessed as I was, I, I got my kid home and was, you know, be able to keep him there for a few days yeah and you got to keep read for one and yeah, we you're for a day and shut off to a specialist in yep. charlotte yep and uh and we should have put a break in this episode it's like the clock but but we don't really have anything for a break i know yeah. um so here we go we got on the way to charlotte 
just a just an appointment to check things to talk to a specialist. Yeah, to talk to the uh, neurologist. Okay, they say pe- pediatric neurologist. neurologist. There's not a lot of those. No, that would be baby brains, correct? Baby brains. Yes. You got it. Neurologist yep. brains. Okay. Pediatric. Pediatric neurology. Grey's Anatomy came out when I was in college. There I remember go. some I like things it. there. Okay, yeah. Um, which makes me feel really old because they're still running that show. But anyway, <laughs> um, so still after that appointment, did you get what they said was? The- yeah, yeah. So he tells us what he thinks it is. Uh, so James Reed. This is uh, the most definite we've had yet. The right? most definite. Yeah, this is the first most time certainty. we felt like okay, we finally talked to somebody who has an idea of what's going on here. Um, diagnosis Reed with a, an arachnoid cyst on his brain. Which is arachnoid. Arach- it, they call it that because it like webs out like spider. Okay. Like, I just want to make sure I was told. Yeah. I, don't, I forget this term because when I heard arachna, I was, I was like, the same thing. <laughs> Listen, can you imagine it was like yeah, when they're hearing me there's this? an arachnoid? So I'm like, is there spiders in my kid's head? What's going on? Um, oh, that would have so been me. Yeah. So uh, an arachnoid cyst in his brain and caused by something that he has a variant of something called Dandy Walker syndrome. It's a very... That's the part I remember. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a rare thing. Um, but basically, it causes uh, this cyst to be on his brain and could possibly cause uh, spinal fluid to build up and hydrocephalus and all these things that we had to start looking out for. So he tells us all this and basically says, go home, take care of your baby. Treat him like every other kid, but watch out for seizures, vomiting, unable to soothe, you know, all these things they tell you to watch out for. Make sure his head doesn't swell. Um, seizure, you know, make sure. I got you. all these things. But to me, that would be. Hydrocephalus. See, I would be freaking out, just being real, because I mean, we what baby were. doesn't vomit? <laughs> and, you know what I mean? So, so that I would was, be. That was, until Reed could talk, that was our life. I mean, until Reed could communicate with us. Yeah. I mean,. He's screaming and won't calm down like don't know if it's... child. Is it because he's got a headache and he can't, you know, can't soothe himself? Is it, you know, well, what's going on here? With I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, that was, So that how was long it. do you go home for? So they send us home and then they, we follow up and we, we get regular MRIs. I can't remember how often. I want to say, no, no, no say monthly. But um, eventually but, there's going to be. Mm-hmm. Eventually it gets to the point, and And this is where if we want to break, we can break at this point. Um, eventually it gets to the point where the doctor says, okay, it's gotten bad enough. We got to do something about this. And so they schedule Reed's first surgery. So Reed is going to have a, a brain surgery. Yeah. A, a brain surgery yep. at, at a very young age. So I think we will, uh, we will take a break okay. and, uh, just so we can stop it and then we'll regroup and we'll come back for the kind of the final parts of the story. And then also, you know, what we learned through yeah, all this. Great. Does that make sounds sense? Yeah, all right. Sounds great. This episode of Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Rig Strips. Caleb, you know how after you get out on the water, you get your waders on, and you've rigged up that rod, and you forget something, and you lay that rod against the truck, and you're always wondering, man, I hope somebody doesn't slam that door on my rod, or maybe my rod falls over in the mud, or whatever. We found the solution, buddy. Yeah, man, we were so fortunate to receive a magnetic sun strip from Rig Strip, and these things are awesome. They're magnetic little uh, rod holders that connect right to the side of your rig, right to the side of your truck, and we can gear up, lay our rods against those things, and it is worry-free. 
for the rest of the time as we finish gearing up. So, yeah, man, love these products, and uh, glad we got our hands on one. Yeah, it's great when you come back off of a long hike back to your car, and that rig strips, sun strips sitting right there. You just lean that rod up while you're taking off your waders. You don't have to worry about it falling or getting damaged. Yeah, so make sure to check them out at rigstrips.com. They've got a lot of great gear, stuff that's going to protect your car and your gear. So check them out at rigstrips, R-I-G-S-T-R-I-P-S.com. And we are back with episode 56 of Dads on the Fly. And tonight, guys, I did, we didn't know where this was going to go. We just said, hey, we, had, we said when we started this podcast, we were going to do a Reed story episode. Yeah. Because um, if you've not met Reed, he's a super cool kid, and right. he has a super cool story. And I don't know if he'll ever – I'm sure he'll get to tell his story at some point, but right now he doesn't really understand it because he's I mean, six he and he's really just being it. a kid, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. um, but so you've heard in the first part of the story how Reed was diagnosed with – an ab, do you call it an abnormal? Just something that every an abnormality, yeah. something other folks didn't have when they're babies, and uh, and so we, when we took the break, we said Reed's gonna have to have a brain surgery. And at this point, Reed is how old? Four months. Four months old. Yeah, four, four or five months. And you've been told that in there. your son is gonna have to have a brain surgery. Yeah, they tell us. So this first one is a very minor surgery, but still, it's. Brain surgery. Brain surgery. <laughs> so, I mean, it's I'm a little brain. Like, yeah, exactly. So um, they do this minor procedure where they go in because he was starting to get hydrocephalus. I mean, I've never had a brain surgery, so it's kind of a big deal. Any surgery. Not going to win. Um, so they, uh, they tell him he's going to go in there and do this minor surgery. They go in. They try to relieve the pressure off of his brain by trying to open up, and we could get Real into crazy anatomy, but we would probably we mess probably it up. Need we need to, yeah, and I'll probably get it wrong, <laughs> even though it was told to me. I'll still probably get it wrong. Um, they go in and they try to open up his ventricles so that the fluid, the spinal fluid, can flow better and get to the places that it needs to go. I don't really understand how it all works, but that's how it was explained to me. So they do the surgery, and when they do the surgery, they also the doctor puts in something called. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right. It's called an Omaya Reservoir which is basically like this little catheter that goes into Reed's brain and kind of has, it, it's the doctor explained to me, it's almost like a tap to where if they ever needed to test his spinal fluid, they wouldn't have to like drill into his spine. There's this little kind of pocket, this little bubble, we call it his little bubble, on the top of his head that they could go in and get that instead of having to do a spinal tap on my kid. All right, so Paul, that was kind of, that was kind of like your daughter tells me this. I was like, Oh man, that's kind of cool. <laughs> we're going to continue this to get to the next surgery. Cause he just has to have another brain surgery. Yeah, right? for sure. But I don't know if you remember the bubble's still there. Yeah. He still has a bubble. Yeah. Well, how old was it when I was keeping him one time? Oh, it was gosh. two or three. This is great. Yeah. I right. About this. yeah. And, and I was keeping him and I don't uh-huh. even think he failed. Right. I was just, I, it was before James was born. I forgot it was just happened. me holding him, right? Yeah. He's like sitting up in my lap one day. It was just me and him. I think my kids were somewhere else. And yeah. I just had him at your house. Y'all had to do some, maybe you went silent on a date or something. I don't even remember. Uh, I don't remember. And I was like just rubbing on his head. And I was like, holy crud. I have hurt <laughs> the child <laughs> that had to have brain surgery. He has a lump <laughs> on his head. And it was this bubble that he's had forever, right? Forever. Yeah. That he, I guess he'll always have it? Yeah, he'll have it for the rest of his life. Okay. Um, it, oh, gosh. I forgot about that. I just it, It's happened so many times, though, because people will come, you know, because he's a cute kid and he's loving and people come and rub him on the head and they'll be like, oh my gosh, did you bump your head? And we're, we have to explain it every time. No, that's his, it's his bubble. That's what he says. He says, that's my bubble. So like he's got this little there bubble on his head. And uh, they put that in there and um, they they do the surgery and keep us, I think, I want to say just a night. It was, I don't feel one. like it was long. Yeah, they kept us one night. I feel like it, they're I, at the, and 
As the distant big uncle, I was like, out. should this not be more? Yeah, big, <laughs> just break. big shout out to Levine Children's Hospital in Charlotte, man. That, that place is awesome. Like, the Charlotte Panthers were there that night passing out pizza and stuff like that to all the kids on the floor. And Carolina Panthers? Carolina Panthers, what did I say? Charlotte? That's impressive. Carolina, Carolina, yeah, I mean, they, it was really cool. That's that's kind of why we pull for the Panthers now. Levine um, Children's Hospital, we'll have to hit them up for a... <laughs> they are not going to That's on the fly. Just kidding. That was a joke. But, uh, yeah, they did awesome. And... um. So we're there for a night, and they send us home the next day with a lot of things to watch again and with a follow-up appointment. Um, and the doctor tells us, you know, hey, we're going to do this surgery, and we hope this is going to fix the problem, but it it's very possible that it won't. Um, and if it doesn't, then we have to put a shunt in. And that was kind of a – we were really nervous about the shunt just because we heard – a lot of horror, horror stories and, and they even paint it as that, you know, they tell you the whole time, like if he's got to get a shunt, I think it's not, I want to say it's like 90% of them have to be adjusted within the first five years or something. It's some crazy. It's just it, the statistics the, aren't great for him. The shunt is another surgery, correct? Yeah. For and, people who- and so, yeah, so I can explain that. So we go back to our appointment like 10 days later, I think, and the doctor looks and immediately the doctor's like, Okay, yeah, we got to do a shunt because it's not working. He was he had real swollen spot on his head, and it was just not the first surgery didn't take like it should have. So they schedule a surgery. We go down there for that appointment, and then they schedule the surgery for like two days later. Because um, I remember it all happened the same week. So we go down, and uh, doctor does a shunt. So he has a uh, I forget what it's called a programmable shunt. Uh, they they put a catheter kind of into the back of his, into that cyst on the back of his brain to try to drain the fluid. Yep. They run a big line down the back of his neck, down to his front, and then they had to do a little surgery, not a surgery, like they have to do a little incision where they put that tube into his stomach, basically, so that the fluid kind of drains it. Or not his stomach, but like his abdominal cavity and absorbs it. I don't really get the science behind it all. Um, I... I I knew a lot better when it was told to me the first time I asked a lot of questions. Yeah, but I just want to go into just something to understand here. how it all so, worked. But through so, all this, there's some breaks. Like, what was the period of time from surgery one to shunt? Uh, not very long. Like a week? Like a week or like two. Like a week. Yeah. But still, I mean, that is challenge. I don't know if challenge is the right word. It's difficulty as brand new parents. I mean, you're already like super careful with your new baby, right? Oh gosh! But you gotta, yeah. I mean, I mean he's had brain surgery, but the so. and the doctors were so good though because they told us over and over again, "Look, he, yes, he's had this. Yes, you need to watch for this, but you just still have to parent him like you would any other kid. Like you still just have to, you know, make sure he's fed. Like, yeah, the normal you know, stuff. You, you're watching out for other things, but you know, they would reassure us over and over again. You can't break him. He's you can't do anything wrong. Gotcha. Really, that you can't. You know, he's going to be fine. So. And so, the shunt is put in. Yeah, so they do the shunt. Um, How long of an operation was this? Just uh, not long. Okay, it doesn't take long. No, it doesn't take long. Um, uh, I want to say like, I mean, from the time they roll him out away from us and we have to go sit in the waiting room, probably ninety minutes to two hours. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, not not that long at all. Um, But still long enough. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, for a newborn, in my opinion, yeah, long time. Uh, So. That, sir, that day was crazy because the I'll never forget the we were scheduled at like 8 a.m. They didn't take him back to like 11:30. Like one of the oxygen things in one of the operating room messed up, and and we couldn't feed him. So this newborn, you know, five month old who couldn't 
he wasn't able to eat from 11.30 the night before until... Yeah, that went over well. Yeah, he was a trooper, though. He was great. He did so awesome with it. So, um, yeah, they do that, come back out, and things are, you know, hey, here's surgery. We I think we stayed two nights that time um, to kind of monitor things, and they send us home two days later and say, keep an eye out on all this stuff. Here's your follow-up appointments, and for the first... I want to say the first 18 months of his life, we were in Charlotte getting an MRI every... Pretty often. It was every month or every six weeks, and then once things looked good, they started to kind of span it out. Okay, so two brain surgeries Mm -hmm. before six months old, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he he has... They've not had... You've not had to have another one, correct? Correct. Okay. But they told you... They told us it's probably going to happen. Yeah. They told us it's like the doctor said it is more likely than not that we will be still doing something on this later. Still, no, not now. Not I mean, now. There's some things that have changed now. Yeah. So see, things have changed. Yeah. So oh, I think yeah. that's where he. So for Reed's toddler years, it was still yeah, like so monitor that kind of deal, right? Yeah, baby toddler all the time was keeping an eye out on this. We were super blessed. We got hooked up with great physical therapists. That started working on him when he was like, and we we credit them with a lot of the reason of why he is able to do what he's able to do now. Because the one we haven't even talked about side this part. effect that they might told you might happen was what like developmental delays in uh, uh, motor skills, motor skills, correct? Yeah. Okay, so walking, running, jumping, climbing stairs, all that, you know, those your gross motor skills, the things that you kind of need for everyday living. They told us expect delays, and we see some slight delays but very very we see it because we're with him every day most people would not see that at I all. i think you brought this up and so i wanted to because you brought it up okay you see it more yeah. than than even i do and i'm around yeah, him and probably exactly. three and times most a week people would probably never know. sometimes and, more and most people would never know and he doesn't really know I mean, he doesn't. Now, if you meet him, he yeah, doesn't. I mean, trust he doesn't, me. He, doesn't, he, doesn't he has no feel, clue. But yeah, I mean, he's totally on board with <laughs> he's, he's doing great he's with it, and he's totally you know, where he needs to be. Right on board with everything and staying up to par with all the other kids. And so, yeah, he's just, uh, if you look at him now, you would have no idea that any of this stuff has ever gone on. Till you rub his head. Yeah, until you, <laughs> feel, until you felt the bump on the his head. Figure out, what is that? Um, and then we'd have to tell you this whole long story. But. So yeah, I mean he he does great now. But those we we were we were getting physical therapy every, I think maybe even twice a week, um, when he was a month old. I mean yeah. even before those yep. surgeries started, they went ahead and said, "Hey, look, because of his diagnosis, we can do this." And we had a physical therapist coming, and I'm and I was like, "What can what what kind of physical therapy can you do on a one month old?" But man, she was awesome. She would like they did like natal massage like would massage him and try to help his muscles move and do all these things just be sure and we credit her i'll never forget her we credit her with part of the reason why we think he was able to to walk um and was able to get going you know we went physical therapy that first year they started putting him in like a little walker so like I don't, do you remember that like, well, little, i don't, I don't remember the walker it was a that intense you walker. get on and yeah it's not like a normal walker i mean it's pretty cool and uh started walking with him um, started doing all kinds of stuff with him. And so, yeah, I mean, that helped him develop to where now he runs and plays and jumps and climbs and does everything else like a normal yeah, I mean, six-year-old. He, him and Corbin are one year apart, and they are 
locked oh, yeah, at the hip tight. when they play together, and they have no – there's no trouble no, between the two of them keeping mm-hmm. up and all that. And, yep. and like you said, unless you rub his head and you first meet him, nobody ever knows any of this. Know. Yep. And um, now when you rub his head rather than, you know – Telling the whole story, you can just say, "Go to episode fifty-six of Dad's on the Fly podcast." <laughs> uh, I don't have time to tell you the story. Here you go. Yeah. Um, we give we give a <laughs> I know, brief, a brief version. version. But so, where do you where do you want to go from here? So that happens. So every- yeah, so that happens, and then just last year, um, yeah, it's always so they they stretch those MRIs out further and further. It's monitoring, correct? Yeah, these MRIs are yeah, monitoring. these are just monitoring. These are let's see how if the cyst has grown, if the cyst has shrunk, if it stayed stable. And every time it will stay unstable. It will stay unstable. It will stay unstable. Let me ask this question. Yeah. It will all, the cyst will be there. Yes. The cyst is not going anywhere. Right. It is not something that they can go in and. It like stays it. forever. It's there. But the crazy thing about, and you call it science, I, you know, and it is science. It's the way that I feel like God's wired us is his brain has created pathways for itself to be able to function and do everything just right. Even with this big old sack of fluid sitting in the back of gotcha. it so it's just crazy how it all still but, works but the shunt was supposed to constantly, yeah, the drain, supposed to constantly the fluid drain that out until so about in uh i'm trying to get the timing right um i guess he was he was about five uh and they told us kind of after that one that year listen we're going to stretch this thing out even more monitor for these things if he has seizures if he starts vomiting if he starts doing all these crazy things call us but if not, we're going to wait 18 months before yeah. his next term. And he never so did. So we're right? like, heck, yeah, this it's is that, awesome. For sure. I mean, you know, we were going all the time. We, we were, it was like monthly, then three months, then every six months, then every year. And then they told us 18 months. We were like, shoot, yeah, that's great. So um, we go about our merry business thinking everything's just fine. And we show up at that last appointment. It's been a little bit, it's been over a year ago now. And, um, they do the MRI and the doctor goes, hmm, that's interesting. And we were like, what? They were like, oh, his shunt's broken. And we we're like, what? <laughs> like, we freaked out. So um, they looked, his shunt is actually broken. And so the doctor's like, okay, so here's the thing. He could be fine. And it could be that his shunt is broken. And it's it, the crazy thing is they're like, you know, your last MRI was 18 months ago. You could have broken it on the way home from that MRI. Or, or, he broke it or he could have broken it five minutes before he got here. Yeah. And we don't know. Anytime and there's no way of knowing. 18 months span. Exactly. We don't know any way. There's no way of knowing where, when it happened. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to bring him back in three months. We're going to check him again. But in the meantime, you know, monitor, look for all these things. Now we know it's broken. <laughs> now we know it's broken. So here's what we're going to look for. So they t- we take him back. Everything's still stable. Take him back again. Everything's still stable. They stretch it out to six months. Check it again. Everything's stable. Doctor comes at that time and says, we think your son is what they call shunt independent now, which means the first surgery that we did is probably actually working, but it took the shunt to be able to get that first surgery enough time to where it could actually work. Gotcha. Does that make sense? I think it does. So, so that's, that's sure. where we're at with him right now. So we're just living life, keeping an eye on things. You know, he's got this shunt in him, this foreign body. That's kind of weird. Cause it's not doing anything right now. But and so, but they out. can't really take it. I mean, they can take it out. It's Eesh. apparently an elective type surgery. Eesh. So it, it's, you know, it's not bothering him. It's not causing any problems. He's got this little, what feels like a little double A battery on the back of his neck. But other than that, he's fine. And like I said, he does, it's all he's ever known. So, I mean, it doesn't bother him. I got you. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll lay out it or do something and then he'll grab it. And I'll say, what's wrong? But he's like, oh, I'm a, my, laid on my shunt wrong, daddy. And so, I mean, you know, he knows it's there. But, um, yeah, so he's he's independent of it now, and he's on about his merry little life and doing 
awesome. And often, do you often have to get MRIs? How often now? A year? A they year? stretched it out. Uh, yeah, after this last one, when they told us, hey, we think he's independent, um, I think now we just go every year. Every year. Yeah, every so, year. So, yeah, just once a year, just check, to on check on something, unless that, something crazy was to happen. That'll like. probably be his life. His I mean, life, yeah. every, I mean, even if he's good the rest of his life, he'll probably have to go at least every year to two years to, to check on He'll be an MRI professional. Yeah. So they have a rapid MRI down there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They knocked that MRI in like 90 Sp- seconds. It's sweet. insane. So th- that's pretty much the story, correct? That you yeah, wanted sure. to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as we kind of encompass all of that, yeah. let, let's let try to, I don't know, you said you kind of had a way you wanted to wrap it up for everybody. And, and guys, this was not our most, we, this was obviously our most heavy fishy episode. Yeah, but, sorry. But here's Dad's on the fly. We feel like <laughs> we it got is lots of great fishy interviews coming here yeah. in the next few weeks. We wanted so to just take this time to tell this story. It's it's a yeah. dad story, and um, well, there's some there was fishing a lot of fishing that, that goes in there. But what what I want to ask first, and then you can yeah. close it how you want to. But okay. and I'm sure you can't break this down into one, maybe even three, maybe even five. But some some takeaways, yeah. lessons from the experience. Yeah, one major one. Um, maybe I'll close with that. A couple other ones. Uh, I never would have been able to do this without my wife. Um, That's good. She's the most amazing woman. And to watch her go through what she did with Reed, and even with James, and, and he's had some stuff too, and we haven't even gotten into that. Um, And to see how she experienced it all, and how much of a trooper she was. And you really need in any experience like that. And and I think this is true in any type of suffering. But especially like as parents watching your kids struggle and watching your kids suffer. You need a good teammate to help you do that with. Because it was so funny how much we worked off of each other. Like in those doctor's appointments. And in those you know crazy time In the surgeries. In the post-ops and pre-ops. And all the different things that we would have to go to. She was the, I'm focusing on the kid and taking care of him and keeping him happy. And I was the, I'll ask all the questions and get all the information and figure out what all we need to figure out. Does that make sense? Like that, that was how we worked. And no, that makes so, total sense. It was so good. Unfortunately, how it just worked out. I feel like sometimes it's, I'm the guy who can never remember everything. If there's any ever dogs went on my <laughs> yeah, end, yeah, so it. I have to be the other person yeah. sometimes. But mm-hmm. that's how you know everybody does their. Everybody's got to do it different. differently. Yeah, figure it out how uh, it works. Yeah, but for sure that, that we that played makes to our strength. You played to your strength. She played to her nurturing and keeping everybody happy and keeping everybody. You know, that that's just kind of how she is. And I played more to my like, okay, what's the objective here? What are we accomplishing? What's going on? And I and you know, she had questions she would tell them to me. I was the advocate to the doctors, and, and that's just how we did it. And it worked really, are, really well. Those are tough things when you're dealing with doctors, and especially yeah, when you're getting six hard. different answers to me. Yeah, that would have been really frustrating in the beginning. Yep. But you, I know you're going to talk about your biggest takeaway, but I, I want to make sure we talk about it. I'm telling you, folks, if, if you hung out with Reed for an afternoon, you literally have no idea that any of this has yeah. gone on in his life. Unless he tells you, and he probably would not going to bring it up because he's, I mean, he's just he, a six-year-old he learned, kid who's He loving. learned how to ride a bike three weeks ago. Which was huge. I mean, a two-wheeler, yeah. you know, I mean, and just took off with it. I mean, he's doing great. And he doesn't he's have doing so any awesome. fear. No, gosh. He's no. very... His only... I mean, I think we talked about this in the last episode. We were so cautious with him. We probably didn't let him fail and struggle as much as we should have when he was really young. Yeah, but I don't think we anybody in your circumstance would have done that. Yeah, and I'm not saying we did anything wrong. I'm just saying, I feel like 
that is something we continue to work with him. Like it's a, you got to try, buddy. You got to try new things. You got to try hard things. And he's getting so good at that. I mean, the the riding the bike thing was case in point. You know, getting started, he was real scared. Dad, what if I fall? What if I do this? What if this happens? I was like, buddy, if you fall, you get up. We're gonna keep you. We're gonna try this. We're gonna make this happen. And sure enough, he took off and did great. So yeah, I mean, th- those are some of the takeaways. You know, do it. Play off your strengths. Yeah, play off your strengths. You, you need a good teammate. Um, so, yeah, and, and then the biggest takeaway, just the thing that I think I had to learn, and this does kind of tie into fly fishing a little bit. Um, I'm excited for this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I kinda, not really. Yeah, I got you. So, in the middle of all the craziness, there was so much I felt like I had to do as a dad to try to make sure everybody was okay. And it wasn't until a couple of years after Reed was okay that I realized I didn't I didn't take care of me very well during that season. And so that's when um, kind of everything started to slow down with him a little bit. But then James came along, which vamped everything up again. Um, was, uh, you know, learning to take care of myself, which for me meant, going fishing that's how i that's how i took care of myself in a lot of that um was to try to uh, get outside there's just something healing about that there's something healing about being out in nature and so so using fishing as a means to be able to do that was huge and then the other thing that i had to learn in all this was it it was okay for things not to be okay and i said i had to learn i had to learn how to lament it's a big word and it's kind of a spiritual scriptural word. Um, okay, it was a big word for me. Go ahead. <laughs> so, but I had to learn what that really means because I don't think I ever learned growing up how to just deal with suffering, like how to deal with the crud that just happens in life. I think a lot of us don't necessarily, I think a lot of us do, but mm-hmm. there's also a lot of us who don't. Yeah, we were very blessed. We were so we were very healthy. Blessed. Our we parents were yeah, healthy we didn't have until much later in life when in dad life. got cancer. But yeah, you know, not not that we had an easy life, but we just had a we had a great childhood. Like I look back at our childhood, it blessed was just, childhood. It was very blessed, and and we have great parents to this day who just just we just had a great growing up. Like I look at some other kids and friends of my experience growing up, and I'm like, man, we were just so I'm so grateful for how we grew up, but I didn't. I didn't see a lot of suffering around me. Because of like that, you because didn't of face that. it until you were an adult. Exactly. And so I didn't learn how to just, anytime suffering was around, it felt like I had to do something to fix it. And what I had to learn how to do in this season was just sit in it and just cry out and say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There's nothing I can do about it. God help me. I mean, that's literally what I, I read a lot of Psalms. I remember being mad at God. I remember being angry at I why could he allow this to happen to me and my family. I mean, I was in ministry at the time. I was I was working for the Lord. I was doing all these things. You know, how could he let something like this happen? I remember looking at Dad one day and being like, Dad, I need you to pray for me because right now I don't even feel like I can pray. I don't even feel like I can talk to God. I don't feel like I, – I, I don't want to because yeah, I'm just mad and, sure. and upset. And um, I had – I eventually had to learn how to – Lament. So, somebody helped point me to um, it's like a lot of the Psalms, like the Book of Psalms and the the Psalms of David, where David starts out all these Psalms and he's 
says, God, you're so good. But then he says, but if you're so good, why are you letting this happen? Why is this taking place? And then at the end, he says, but God, you're still good. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. how does this happen? And, and that's what I had to learn how to do. I had to learn how to admit, okay, God, you're still good. You're still sovereign. But this all really stinks. And this is all awful. And if you're good, I need you to fix it. I need you to show up. I need you to do this. I need you to do it. But even if you don't, you're still God. You're still sovereign. Does that make sense? And there's it just, does make sense. But I just it's had to, not. I had there was no perfect. It, it makes fix. it makes very good sense, and I understand it. But I think it's much more difficult than than you're yeah. than you have oh, done. Gosh, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, it's so difficult. It, it's it a very easy. difficult thing. Yes. No. Yeah. It wasn't like we just and clicked and we did. Yeah, this. I think it, but that's what that was my biggest takeaway. Like, and and that has set us up now for when suffering takes place in our lives, which it still has since Reed's all this stuff with Reed. You know, there's been some other hiccups and lots of craziness and watching loved ones suffer. And, um, it has taught me how to do that to where it doesn't break me to a point to where I was when I had to watch, when I had to watch my first son go through it. For sure. So is there, Anything else we want to close with? I think I, mean, I think that was all amazing and great. And I think I, I just think we need to say to, if you're listening to this episode, you know, and you and you DM dads on the fly, I'll make sure Caleb answers all these questions. Because <laughs> usually I'm <laughs> the guy behind the Instagram DMs. Yeah. But uh, if you have any questions about or, you know, or, you know, guys, we, we say this all the time. And I promise you, Caleb's right. We wanted to do this episode. It, it meant a lot to us when we first started the podcast. We said we would do a episode about this. We have some spectacular fishing stories coming up with some guests that we have already talked to and some that are on the way. But we wanted to pause in, in, in this episode and just say, look, we are being was, more intentional. This was his, the reason this was yeah, fresh yeah, go for ahead. me too is this was this happened six years ago. Six week. years ago this week. So that's that's why it's been kind of fresh. Six years ago this week for the anniversary of the surgery, right? Yeah. The yeah. surgery. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. And um and so in year two we, we said we want to be more intentional. I think Opening up, you first of all doing it first, a real life story of being a dad on the fly. <laughs> That's all we were. It was on the fly. You were on the fly on every the fly. day. The doctors Everything. were on, everybody was on yeah. the fly. We didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> um, and Caleb and I just want to know that, want you to know if you're listening and your dad, you could be going through something similar, could be going through something way different that still the emotions are similar. I have one other thing I want to say. Yeah, about. go ahead. Everybody has something. And that is one thing too sure. to learn in this. Because sometimes we look at other people's suffering and pain and we say, Oh man, I've got it bad, but I don't have it half as bad as they do. And I can remember going through that. But your suffering is your suffering and it and it sucks no matter where you're at in it. And so yes, there are kids that have been way worse off than Reed, and there are kids who are way better off than him, but they're still something and you shouldn't your pain and suffering should not is not you can't grade it does that make sense what I, I'm trying I understand to say? Totally like, what there's not saying. there's not levels to this we've said it's, this if you're in it you're in it and it's awful it's, and it, there's no way of saying like because i'll be honest and and i love church people but church people are some of the worst of this when we were in the midst of it there were so many of us that would come up and be like oh yeah but look at this look at how he it could be so off worse and i was like but would you shut up yeah. like, like well that's a good point because and we've said this a lot on this podcast 
your story is your story. Your yeah. family is your family. And that's why we love the community we've built here at Dads on the yeah. Fly. Everybody's story is different. We've heard from other people's stories. Mm-hmm. We've had people reach out. This is my story and so on. And although most of our episodes are more lighthearted and fishy and yeah. everything, we wanted to say, look, in year two, we are trying to be real intentional to support dads the best we can. This is one real life experience that you experienced um, that we can say, hey, remember, dads go through a range of emotions when things yeah, like this sure. happen. Um, and you could be going through that. And, and we're not experts. We're not. Gosh, no. Um, we're just average dudes who like to fly fish and raise our kids, like we said, and be family men. And And through that, I think you've now told a story that people will resonate with and what you just said was powerful well thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity to do it it's it's cool i love sharing his story because it is such a great and like we said now we have it one of the reasons we did this podcast we have it forever right (laughs) on episode 56 of dads on the fly so anything else that's it man so guys we want to thank you for listening to this episode of dads on the fly and please reach out if this uh, resonated with you please share it with a buddy um and and if you have questions let us know. Yeah, us I'll, I'll send them to you. are going through something somewhere. You know somebody going through something somewhere. We would be glad to reach out to them. Be happy to help out. Maybe. We hope, we hope, by the next episode, what does this episode drop tomorrow? Tonight? Yeah. We hope to have a very special announcement coming, coming very week's. soon. We hope next to have that very special announcement as soon as all the eyes are dotted and the T's You're are crossed. You're so bad to say stuff like this. And then no, I got to do it. This makes me want to do it. Okay, <laughs> okay I got you. So uh, I got to be the one to cross some of the T's. I know. Yeah. Um, so folks, have an awesome week, and uh, until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you.